Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are live from the Path. And you're listening to Live from the Path. We're coming from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston Proper. Weird. I know what he was like that. He's been like that all day. I didn't see him earlier today. I can just I can tell. I can tell he's being that way. Hey, okay. Here's what we, we got to get this show moving before the whole the studio crashes down. Uh, so we got a few articles to get to, and then I think we're gonna give some advice. And Mike, did you? Would you want to talk about hope? No. Okay, we're only so. gonna nail. The, <laughs> it's gone. The actual uh, meeting of life and hope stuff. If we didn't have any articles, but apparently we got some articles. Okay. Yeah. 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 We so we got a couple of things. So that uh, there's a. Organization in the United Kingdom that says only 6% of UK adults identify as practicing Christians. Did you expect higher? I mean, 6% though? That's pretty small. Practicing. That's real tough. Maybe yeah. practicing is the key word. Okay, so here it says the survey was over 3,000 uh, UK adults commissioned by five Christian organizations and found that 4% identify as agnostics, 12% as atheists. That's interesting to me. I, uh, well, so here's the big buckets though. Practicing Christian, six percent. Non-practicing Christian, forty-two percent. Huh? I wonder what the. I assume we're gonna check the article, see what it's, what it means. But like, if someone were to say, "Hey, man, I'm a non-practicing Christian," what do you what do you presume that means, Nathaniel? I assume it means that they're part of the the the. the this is England, right? UK. Yeah. That uh, isn't there like a Church of England? You're born there. You're uh, you're a Christian. You mean like it, the Anglicans? Yeah. And that uh, I think still, yeah. But so, but but like, if you ask someone if you're a non-practicing Christian, what does it mean? What are you not doing? Uh, being a Christian. Okay, Nathaniel's <laughs> not helpful. Mike, <laughs> what do you think you're not doing? It's like saying you're a non-practicing window washer, right? Like you understand the ins and outs of it. Principle, and uh, do you think windows should be washed? You think windows should be washed, but you're not the guy. But that's you don't gonna, wash the windows. You're not going to get up there and get in the rail. Okay, yeah. so. That's Nathaniel again. <laughs> I really teed him up. I thought, listen, yeah, I'm ready this time. Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's uh, microphone is like almost always too low, always. And then I fix it, and then he comes in like booming hot. <laughs> and so I thought, I thought I had it right this time, so I said, I'm going to tee him up so I can just check this thing out. And like I'm looking for something like, you know, they probably don't pray, they probably don't attend the services. And I say, what's a non-practicing Christian? Oh, like not a Christian. Guy not to being a Christian. He's, yeah. not, he's not doing Christian You took things. the grimace route. If there was a... <laughs> If there was a role for being the grimace, that was you. <laughs> All right. Gr- like the guy who steals the hamburgers? That's the Hamburglar, oh. you two-bit dunce. His name is Hamburglar. <laughs> What's Grimace do that? He's that big Barney-looking character. Doesn't he steal shakes or something? He doesn't steal them. He just likes them. No, he's friendly. He's like a big uh, purple egg, I think. No. He, he doesn't get a lot of play He drinks anymore. a lot of shakes and fries. And... Does he steal hamburgers? Ben? Yeah, I, sorry. Uh, so, I, it doesn't really say what it means to be non-Christian. To be a non-practicing Christian? I mean, like, in their mind, like, would you say it probably means, like, they don't attend church services or, or you know, or, or you know, go out and join community groups for yeah. whatever? You know, but they still believe in God and Jesus. They just don't do anything about it. Yeah. Okay. And so, let's... So, if someone said, ask you, where would you go to find out about the Christian faith? How would you answer? Uh, I would say the Bible. Okay, Mike's in for the Bible. Dan? Yeah, definitely the Bible. Definitely the Bible. Nathaniel? <laughs> I'll go with the Bible. Oh, okay. Uh, there, okay, there, something did come in hotter than the Bible, higher than the Bible. Someone said, where do I go to learn about the Christian faith? Church. The Internet. Okay, the Internet wins. What? Yeah, 26% said Google. 22% they would go to a local church, 22% said they would read the Bible, and 15% said they would talk to a friend or a family member who is Christian. Boy, would, I'd like that list completely inverted. I would like you to go talk to your friends first, because I can't expect you to understand the Bible and all its nuances right off the, right off the smacker. So you find a guy that's living it out and have, have, have them explain it to you. Yeah, that whole pyramid's upside down. Yeah, what, I mean, what does that tell you about how either poorly Christians represent themselves or don't live—I mean, only 6% appear to be practicing it, so they're like— you know, I, I wouldn't even know who to talk to. 
Yeah. We don't even have this down. So if you went to the Google and said, what is a Christian, the Wikipedia would jump up and say Christianity is a Abrahamic monotheistic religion based on the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. It's the world's largest religion with about 2.5 billion followers. That didn't really tell me anything. 2.5 billion. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know if the Internet's the place to start, but I suppose that's where they would... I mean, if you wanted to find something about uh, Islam, like you were curious, I would Google it. No, that's, that's true. I that's suppose true. I suppose that's how but I would. With behave. a disassociation from it, I guess you know, like. Yeah. Uh, but if you're 41 percent are non-practicing Christians, right? But you understand the basic tenets of it. Wouldn't you just go find someone to talk to opposed to googling it? Uh, yeah. I feel I sp- like if I knew a plumber, I wouldn't Google plumbing answer. I would just call my plumber friend. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Like if you claim to be a Christian, still you're just non-practicing. It would seem appropriate that you might just check out the church or go ask the local pastor or priest or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. If only 6% of the population is practicing Christians there, like, where do you find a church? Uh, I well, Yeah, more, a higher percentage have to be attending services in the UK. Like, I suppose, like, I'd Google that. Like, what percentage of uh, the UK population attends church? And if it's higher than 6%, that means you got a bunch of dudes showing up, like, purposely not taking it in. Huh. I mean, don't you think these churches are paid off? Maybe there's just a few people in it, but it doesn't matter, because, I mean, that building's been there for 600 years. They, they paid it off <laughs> 250 years ago. It's yeah. not a deal anymore. I mean, they had to put some air conditioning in there. That's got to cost something. I don't know. I don't know. Notre, what is it? Notre Dame was not, uh, it's not air conditioned. Yeah, and it burned down. Yeah. <laughs> The humid air took everybody. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just I, I don't know, man. That doesn't seem. I mean, that's three uh, three thousand people. That maybe it's not surprising. Maybe it's proper. Maybe people are feeling like they're okay to be honest. They're like, yeah, I still call myself a Christian, but I don't do a- anything at all I'm resembling more Christianity. In the five religious organizations that paid for this, like this is how we get information anymore. We stand back in a room and go, let's pay someone else to get it. How are we doing? Tell us how we're doing. I mean, no one trusts the guy with the white thing around his neck who goes, "Hey, do you go to church?" Like they're prone to lie to him. Yeah. So you got to get you got to get someone who who does not threatening. All right. So it's a, it's a real interesting uh, thought process in like in our modern uh, age where like that information was not available fifty years ago. Let's yeah. say yeah. right. So like we didn't do almost anything based on data. Or at least a real rudimentary set of data. Like like fifty years ago, we wouldn't have sent a poll out to see how people are sitting on this fence. We would have just said, "Well, we were sent here to serve this neighborhood. We best get out and do it." And like whatever's going on is not really our deal. We're just going to keep preaching the word and loving people, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, this gets back to kind of that numbers conversation we had uh, a number of episodes back around: Is there a place where the counting? Is a disservice to us, hmm. yeah. And and maybe even maybe think of how much how how much res- how much how the amount of resources that churches put into or church organizations as a whole put into surveying, counting, marketing. And if you just took that same stuff and you said, "Look, we're just going to put it towards things that are the basically Mike's description, which is we're just supposed to go about and do the things that we're supposed to do, and we're going to do them here locally." Uh, and then we're going to have to trust that God's got somebody on the corner of the next street over, and that He's going to handle over there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that does that put it, does that put the church as a, as a disadvantage? Well, I guess a, once again, it's a weird thought because like if you were if if you were going to ask me how important data is to like my work environment, I would say the more data the better. Yeah. We definitely want to know, but but I would say my my feeling is towards the opposite when it comes to uh, God stuff because I'm like I don't know He counts. I mean, he's counting hairs on heads. It just seems useless for me to count. And so it makes less sense to me to do it in the most important thing that I do in my life. And so it's just an interesting, I don't know, it's an interesting thought where like my modern brain goes, yeah, more data is better, except for when it comes to what God has got, has got you doing, because you're not in control of making a decision on the outcome or exactly what you're going to do. That's God's deal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Dan, have you ever... Uh, like in in your ministry career, would you can you think of times where you've heard data and it's caused you where you've changed? You said, "Oh, based upon this, I'm going to change my tactics or change my aim or focus or something." Um, now use the word tactics. That sounds better. <laughs> kind of like a few years ago, we did a demographic study of the area based off of like the census, I think, and uh, there might have been some polling in there, so there had to be. 
and and the, and we looked at percentages and and like x number of people they want to know how to do family they want to know how to um have a better marriage you know there was like certain things they were wanting yep and so it was like well let's do some teaching on that and that's the kind of stuff if i'm going to like advertise something that would be what i would advertise like hey we're doing a family talk of something i haven't done that for a while but um so that kind of, but that's always been like one of those felt needs things. Like, I mean, everybody has family. Must must right. be a better dad or mom or whatever. Right. Um, so. So okay. So, but and would you say did it feel like it was effective? Uh, no, I mean it didn't like suddenly bring people <laughs> in. You know, like oh, they want to hear that sermon. You know. Yep. Uh, but you know, like through the years, like I mean, hundred years ago, it was like okay, nobody is turning on the radio to listen to hymns and organ music. So I used that to say like maybe we shouldn't. That shouldn't be the driving force of music on Sunday mornings. Uh, and that's what began our transition back in the you know late eighties, nineties to you know a full band. Yep. Um, and that's but a lot of churches were doing that then. They were, they were starting to. Um, and that was based, I think, on you know data and and but yeah. So there's so I, maybe again back to that counting conversation. Like there's there's probably a place for it, but but I do wonder. Like does it? I guess Mike hearing hearing that six percent of the folks in the UK are practicing Christians that create in you any sort of urgency or change in the things that you're doing day to day, week to week. No. No. Uh, well, uh, if you heard of that was true in the United States, would it change anything? No, I just don't think it's true. I think a three a three thousand person sampling, depending on where you took it, is not an accurate parlay of what exactly is going on. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's something about that that I don't just I, I just don't quite trust. That would make me want to like jump into the Book of Acts and start studying that deeper going okay that's that's where these people were except even it was lower than that yeah you know, it was like nothing right and, and then they started at ground zero and, I th- and thinking that well i've done all of my education training experiences in a culture that at least acknowledged god mm. and, and to suddenly wake up one day and say wait no actually that's not true um it takes the church it takes people you know a couple decades to realize wait a minute uh, they don't all think like me <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, and acknowledge that, and then it's like I need. That means I need. I do need to change my tactics. Um, I need to actually introduce them to Jesus, as opposed to saying, "Hey, you need to follow Jesus my way, not that you know that other church's way." Um, it, it, it so that makes it important is actually teaching the gospel and letting the power of the gospel do its thing. Yeah, you know, I think there is something um, within that that says that the more that you're cognizant of. Your surrounding community's perception of God or background of God, you do teach differently. Just like I, t- I would teach differently when there are children in the room than when I wouldn't, yeah, based upon audience. things that they may yeah. or may not know. Um, if you if you have a presumption that the people who are there and that you're talking to or that you're meeting with, this is true, not even just pastoring, like not teaching, right? But like your day to day life, and you're meeting you're meeting a guy at work who says he's a Christian. He could be this other bucket. And or when you're talking to someone of, uh, of that you feel like has a shared background, maybe they don't, and some of these these terms will need redefining, and the context of which you're speaking to is different. You have to you actually you're they're from somewhere else. It's it's like talking to someone with a different background, and you actually have to explain what it means to go buy nickel candy at the Ben Franklin or something. Yeah. And so um, I, I I do I do wonder if that's helpful in that way. Is once you once you know that it co- may cause you to rethink how your day to day stuff is going. But although it kind of presumes that you're not like you're totally blind and dumb about it anyway. Like if you're in a room full of kids, you know, take it, take your, you guys are teaching youth group or something, and you had not considered whether people are taking it in right, and you look them in the face and they 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 don't understand it, and you continue to pursue on anyway mm. because you're so dull about the whole thing. Like, I, is it stuff that you wouldn't otherwise learn? Just doing trench work. Um, I don't understand the question. I think if you're just observant, you you, you would figure it out. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that like, yeah. do you need? You don't need a survey or right, 
Right. Wouldn't yeah. you start to like if you're paying attention at all and you cared about what you were trying to do? Did you need a survey to tell you that right. most of the culture doesn't understand the stuff you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. So uh, really, what it boils down to is is like um, like how much do we believe that like God is in what you're doing and will poke and prod and change the things that you're doing without that data. Like, do we believe that if sans the study that like God would put it on your heart that we need to talk, talk about family stuff for a little bit, you know, like, do we believe if you were seeking, you know, God's face and saying, God, how would you like me to lead these people? And what would you like me to talk about? What are my sermon series going to be or whatever? Right. Do we, do you think that, that, that God will direct that as part of a, um, you know, intentional listening for the Holy Spirit, or he'll work that way through you collecting the data that you paid somebody. Either one, I suppose, is possible, but like, depending on that answer to the question kind of depends on, on, on whether you would say that, that how much we're on the hook for collecting data and then moving and changing based on what the audience is, is, is after. Mm. That's, that's, it's tough. I, I guess may, maybe the advocation here is that you certainly should be reacting to the situation going on around you and changing and adapting where it makes sense, like where the thing that you're trying to do is not connecting with someone. It can't because the gospel isn't good news. So, but but the maybe the value in a macro state is less necessary because it almost puts you on the like like you're going to do anything about the macro state, and well, I, you're not. And 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 once again, it's it's probably a more modern thought that says the macro is your concern anyway, right? Like most people ran fairly smaller churches. You know that were based in their community, and like you can pull the community pretty quick by a walk down the street. Opposed to going, well, if I look at this city of forty thousand people, you know, eighteen percent seem to feel this way. Although there's there's a good point oh three that actually come to my place. You know what I'm saying? And so like yeah. we start looking at as as our society as is a bigger chunk, and then go, well, of course they want to learn how to be better parents. They don't know Jesus, <laughs> right? And they're trying to come mm-hmm. through this on their own and figure out how to take two broken people in a broken situation and raise broken kids and and with no room for grace or mercy or um God's pernicious love then yeah you're going to you're going to struggle right figuring that out I don't think you use that word right pervasive yes much better I'm great with <laughs> words pernicious is not no you're also probably not using parlay correctly yeah it is parlay no. move move to the next <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but that isn't how you use it yeah it did how did i say it <laughs> no <laughs> Parlay this uh, over here. I used it right. <laughs> so I have a a, a digital. What's it called? What's the, uh, di- digital watch? Uh, a digital coach. Phone. Oh. Uh, oh. For four weeks, I'm meeting with um, to basically his premise. We got to have him on the show sometime. Uh, the basic the, pre- the premise is you, you you do this work on a sermon already, and, and don't just cut it up and put little pieces out, but like rework some of that into smaller pieces to a different audience. Uh, to put it out digitally, mm-hmm. because like it's one you'd speak one way to a congregation, you speak another way to Joe Blow on the street who didn't come to church but might want to know the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm kind of uh, I'm week one was last week, so tomorrow's week two. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, but I think that's the idea: is, is you're looking at how do you how do you bring the gospel to this culture that's not going to church but might be on social media, um, and how, what how do you feed them something they want to hear and that they can learn from and benefit from. Um, anyway, yeah. So, I, you know, just kind of rethinking how you do stuff. Do you think Christians... Are, are Christians the type of people who sneak by the turnstile? No. Hopefully not. I mean, not not at a gate where you have to pay. Like, would you go to the Menards? Oh, you, yeah. you sneak by the turnstile? Oh, sure. yeah. I do that. Okay, then. That's what I'm saying. Nathaniel, do you walk through it straight and bold? Yeah. I try and make it spin a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> make up for the people like me. Oh, yeah. I sneak by it every time. I don't like to be counted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the, the reason I asked that is, I, is, Mike, when you were talking about 3,000 people, it's not enough. I thought, is there something about Christians in general where, like, surveys misrepresent them because we don't want to be counted, or we don't want to be talked to or tallied? That's what I was thinking earlier. Like, who replies to a survey? Like, if I got a survey in the mail said, what do you believe? I would throw that right in the garbage. No, that's true. You think they hit them up? And that's the thing. It's like, well, you can stop them on the street with a clipboard. People are like, yeah, go away. I would walk right on. Right? And the people that want to answer that survey are the ones that don't feel like their voice is being heard right now, and they're going to tell this clipboard guy what the deal is. Yeah, there's got to be a... I won't look at it now, cause, uh, but I'll, I'm going to check it out this week, because I want to know... Someone has to do a, 
uh, so- sociological survey or, or psychology something against what, who are the types of people who take surveys? Yeah. <laughs> and why do they want to take them? And who doesn't do it? So, like, who is constantly underrepresented? Even if you tried to randomize the sample and stratify the, the, the people in buckets of folks, you know. And parlay the results. No. And who are the people <laughs> then? But who are the folks who, like, they're just not involved? They, they were going to refuse to take it. I mean, I, I, would, I would absolutely refuse to take every survey. Yeah. I just have zero interest because because I'm not worried about my voice being heard, whether that comes from a, a line of privilege or self sustainment or flat out arrogance. Like I just I'm not I'm not interested in other people taking in what I think about this. I just I don't feel the need to tell you. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of that's because it's not your personal opinion. I know very well that that I used the automated checkout at the Walmart the other day, and uh, I go poking out all the things, and I I paid for the thing, and all of a sudden it says, "Please rate your experience." Yeah, I got one of those. And I said, I- I'm I'm already on the way out, man. I don't want to rate my experience. No, they can't ask me in the middle of the thing. I've been upset. So this is the only time to do it, as I thought back on it. But, like, the reason I wouldn't do that is I thought, it's not like they want to hear my voice. They don't know it was me. Mm. They they Like, it could be anybody. And so it's just not, uh, it doesn't make me feel valued or important. They're just going to roll up the number of stars at the Altoona of Walmart over eight weeks of time, and it's going to get three levels up to a guy who goes, I think people are overall are satisfied. That's what I contributed to. People overall are satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, I don't, I, like, I just don't, I'm not, I don't feel compelled at all to do it. it now, if, if a guy came by from the corporate Walmart and he walks up and he goes, Can you tell me how are things going for you? You know, is this the experience that you want? I would talk to him. I'd be glad to, to, to share my opinion or something. It just uh, and it's not like self-importance. It's just I don't know that I'm contributing to something of which I matter, and so I, I'm just going to take time to do it. Every year at work, we get a. It's right around this time of year. We get a an email that says contribute. Your voice matters. Yeah. What do you think of the company? And then we have to take this survey. We don't have to. I ignored it every year. Yeah. Except for this year. You had at it. Yeah, you I spilled said, the beans. I said, I've got, I've got time. <laughs> And the very last question on the survey is, do you think any action will be taken due to this survey? And I said, no. Uh, I don't think it will. Uh, and I don't even know. I, this is what I typed in. I said, no, I do not. And I don't know why I took this survey in the first place. Ship <laughs> <laughs> <And> it. <laughs> but also, I was kind of relying on uh, the uh, anonymity of it all. Uh, yeah. But also... It's not really anonymous no. because they know who who I am. Like yeah. I'm oh. attached to some sort of number. I write my name on there every time I'm asked to take an anonymous survey at work. I type in my name and phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's real cowardly to take an anonymous survey. So like I I said I always put in a bunch of details. So they're for sure it's me. <laughs> well, in a in a in a company of like I think it, the last it, it, I saw it was like ninety thousand employees or something like that. Uh, it's like well I'm gonna be. I mean, if even, you know, 1% of these people, I'm going to be washed away in the uh, the mix of things. So I bet they those don't surveys are me. just really hard to, to parse out, right? Because, like, especially under the condition of anonymity, every single small gripe comes out of nowhere. And you're like, what is the real thing that's floating to the top here, opposed to people just griping because they feel like they're unheard. And yeah. so they're going to throw every grievance they ever thought of out. And most of the questions didn't even really apply to me because – like most of the company is a real estate company, which right. they're like, "Hey, how do you do? You have trouble selling real estate?" And it's like, "No, I do not. No, no. I don't do that at all. <laughs> no, I have yet not to once. fail." <laughs> they only give you the two options, so you're like, "Look, sixty percent of these people aren't having any trouble selling real estate." <laughs> yeah. So what's John's problem? <laughs> we we get similar surveys, and every year they, there's a question in there, and it says, "You know, in general, do you feel like you are being, you know?" Paid appropriately. I'm like, they never show the results for that one. But I, I mean, really? How many people are going, yeah, you know, I couldn't do with anything. I'm reimbursed well. <laughs> I think I'm all right. Because yeah. you think it puts yourself at risk. Like, I can't imagine. Here's the deal. You should find the guy who goes, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. And you should fire him. Because one or two things are happening. Either you're overpaying him. Or he he's not thoughtful enough to recognize that if he answers this question this way, it means you might underpay him. Right. Either way, he's a detriment to your company and you need to get rid of him. Only hire people who go, I think I deserve more. <laughs> Those are the people. Anytime I've been at the self-checkout, I like to get my nose up right on the camera and show off my nose. Oh, hairs. yeah, totally. 
I don't know what it's like. Something I just can't pass up. Like I see that camera on me, and I immediately put my full face in there <laughs> to where it's unrecognizable. That's beautiful. <laughs> like I think there's some kind of Nuremberg looking at it, taking it all in. And I just I've never gone through a self checkout and not put my entire face up in that camera and covered it up. Yeah, that's what I think. I think uh, hey, uh, Captain Misdemeanor running the security area. Take this. <laughs> Give him a little shot take, of glory. Take my nose hairs. <laughs> All right. Nathan, you ever do that? I give him the eyebrows. Oh, oh, oh. You give him the piston Honda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Righteous. Uh, hey, you're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us so far this evening. If you have any complaints about the show, you said, you know, you guys haven't been around for a while, and I would come out with a whiz bang, and instead you're boring. You're talking about work surveys yeah. and the automated <laughs> checkout. I understand. I, we, you know, we, we don't we don't grow them. Uh, sometimes we steal from other people's gardens, and they don't grow righteous. That's not my fault. I used to be underprepared. So anyway, that's the life from the path. Bob Eisenhower complaint line five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. That's five one five five one seven zero zero eight five, and that's call or text on the life from the path. Bob Eisenhower complaint line. We'd love to hear from you and what you think about the show. There was one more story, and I only regret that I had not read this earlier in the day, and so hadn't been able to take some action about it. But uh, this story from the Christian Post, it says, uh, title is Biblical Protein. Israeli company creates snack food with John the Baptist in mind. Mm -hmm. Have you ever wanted to dine like John the Baptist did, minus the camel hair and leather? I mean, he didn't eat the camel hair. (laughs) Uh, Hargol Food Tech, an Israeli-based firm that specializes in insect cultivation for mass consumption. Wait a minute. Have you ever seen a camel live, like a live camel? I saw one at the zoo. Every depiction of John the Baptist, like he's got this woolly mammoth ape vest on. And like camel's pretty smooth to the touch, like a horse. I never touched a camel. Yeah, you got to do it. But either way. Well, so hold on. Where did you touch a camel? The fair. You just went up and, and pawed it. Sometimes <laughs> the hump part is hairier. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to get. You're the hump. Yeah, the hump. No, the hump. Did you touch his hump, Dan? Uh, no, I have you touched see the camel? Furrier. Anyway, did you rides. rub his belly? I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that camel hair is pretty smooth, and like they always depict John the, John the Baptist wearing some kind of like a porcupine, like a woolly mammoth yeah. vest, and like I don't I don't see it. Okay, think about this though. You're thinking you're thinking of a 21st century camel that's been well groomed and taken care of by some fair uh, 4-H kid. You think they're a victim of male pattern baldness? And as the as the camels have evolved, no, I'm just saying, like the, you know, they didn't have a uh, uh, 4-H kid uh, spraying it down with some some mane and tail and giving a brush with with a a brush. Yeah, but it's not like you see a great Pyrenees looking horse out in the wild. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> the thing was saying that you got a Siegfried and Roy camel. <laughs> He's been aquanetted and petted. A down. show pony of camels. That's what you're exactly. Saying. You're saying in the wilds these camels are they're just <laughs> they're scraggly. There's nothing but cocklebirds everywhere. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this Israeli-based firm specializes in insect cultivation for mass consumption. Is betting American evangelicals' answer to that question is a resounding yes and amen. In 2020, the company launched Biblical Protein, the first commercial locust farm in the world located on the banks of the Jordan River. Uh, Offering everything from protein shakes to sugar-free gummies and energy bars made from locusts, otherwise known as grasshoppers, Biblical Protein grinds the insects into fine powders that can be added to smoothies, yogurt, salad, pasta sauce, and more, according to Hargo CEO Dror Tamir. Are you serious? Are, are locusts and grasshoppers the same thing? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Actually, I... Okay, this is a similar vein. And my, my, my children knew this, and I did not. I thought the possum and the opossum were two different animals. Uh, uh, I think it depends if you're in the South. I think it's... That's just a way to say it, right, Dan? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Was it, was, did you tell them on... Did we talk about this on the show already, how Ben just recently figured out that they do sunrise services because the sun rose? And like he, yeah, he just put that together. He just came to me, <laughs> like this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he just mentioned that on Easter. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was, you know, like, uh, hey, uh, the Christ, Christ, uh, the King, the King rose from the dead, and well, so we like to get up early. That's, I mean, it's like there was a first, you know, first of the, the day, and they went out there, and the, it's when it happened. Yeah, but the sun rose, Dan. Yeah, but it's a different. It's an O, not a U. In in English, I know it's a play on word. It, it's wait, so so that's it is for the other reason. Yeah. 
I didn't miss out on Church, it. Churches don't do it because the Son of God rose. I mean, no, they're they celebrating should. the Son of God, but it's well, also was early. Okay, whoever in the missed out on that is a real, <laughs> a real doofus. <laughs> I mean, that's that's marketing that, one hundred and one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the Baptists do. I probably thought of it. I'm probably the first guy. Okay, that's I, it. Make anyway, some t-shirts. Yeah. Are you sure about this locust and grasshopper thing being the same thing? Yeah, same. Same. Locusts are an incredible source of protein and essential nutrients. Today, if you're looking for 72% protein product, you can only find processed extraction from various animals and plants, while with locusts, it is natural. How are you feeling the vibe of this, Nathaniel, so far? You said 72%? Yeah. 72% protein. What's the other? Huh? Is it carbs? Fats? What are we dealing with? What's the macro split? Uh yeah, they didn't go into any additional detail. I'm gonna look it up. How are you feeling? You feeling like you get swole eating these things? You gonna p- pump a few and pump some iron? Are they for sale right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna buy some. <laughs> yeah, it's already done. <laughs> okay, good. I was gonna. <laughs> I someone had to. If Nathaniel's gonna do it, I'll let you do it. You let me know. Yeah, you come with my camel hair vest. Uh, and because of that natural protein content, locusts require no extraction or separation of the nutrients, providing those who partake with essential micronutrients and antioxidants. Such as omega three, iron, zinc, folic acid. Well, folic, comma acid. That's not right. And vitamins E and B twelve. Tamir said, as a young boy, he remembered always hearing his grandparents talk about the locust plagues that ravaged Israel in the nineteen fifties. But while most people were busy working to scare off the locusts to protect their crops, he said Yemen and Moroccan Jews were collecting the insects and using them for food. While there's more research to be done, Tamir said there are already good data to suggest consuming locusts can support the growth of children. Improve metabolism. I mean, anything can support the growth of children. Yeah, so does tricks. <laughs> yeah, what <but> they do. <laughs> uh, improve metabolism, reduce fat, and strengthen the immune system. We are now starting to research and unveil the health benefits locusts provide to humans. I like that he started the company without any pure health benefits. He's just like, I want to sell bugs to people to eat. Now, hold on. Even the Bible describes John the Baptist as being out there weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we're like, let's mainstream this thing. And like, the whole point was he was weird. Let's see here. Uh, okay, we're going to look at the site. You didn't say Jesus was out there eating locusts. No. You know what I'm saying? All right, so here we go. Uh, kosher. Locust is unique li- is a unique living creature God created. Enormous strength jumps 20 times its body length. Stamina and endurance can fly 200 kilometers a day. Outstanding growth rate. In just two weeks, it multiplies its body weight by 15-fold. And fertility. Each generation can multiply its population by 100-fold. Look at how amazing it is. Now eat it. And they're not even promising to coat it in uh, salt or something so you can take it in right. You're yeah. just going to eat it. Okay, now here we go. Here's some of the... We're going to visit the shop and see what's in this. These products will cost them. Uh, protein gummies. Locust honey and raisin energy bar. Three for nine bucks. That's pretty cheap as far as energy bars go, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... I think they got so. protein shakes? Yeah, here there's a... Up here there's a powder. Complete protein chocolate shake mix. Individual serving sachet, three eighty nine. You can buy one for four bones. Give it a shot. How, how much if I just want to eat it as the Lord made it? I just want to eat a can like full of locusts. Family package, whole locusts, one hundred eighty bucks. Whoa, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Why are they so expensive? How much is that? One hundred eighty bucks. How many are in there? He just said that they grow a hundred fold and are fifteen times their own thing. Right. You basically just told me that you're making a killing off me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna grow my own. That's crazy. Wait a minute. Are are, are the Israeli locusts more uh, nutritional than say uh, an Iowa locust? Oh, wait, hold on a minute. Hold on. Maybe there's twenty. This is the family package of whole locusts. That's not like twenty five locusts. Oh, it's twenty five pounds. Oh, you buy twenty five of the containers of the containers for one hundred eighty bucks. Yeah, a container on its own is nine dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's closer. Oh, we got, you got to buy the locust and honey combo pack. Yeah, ready to eat locust and honey. Fifteen ninety nine. Look at the you come, Christmas present. There's locusts over here in the jar, and then you like dip them in honey. Now, what, what are they? <laughs> I mean, are they inferring that that John the Baptist dipped these locusts in honey, or he just took in locusts and honey separately? I bet he, like double, he drank honey like a. Like I bet a he double handed it, mm. like crunch lick. Hmm. Finger, finger he paid, but he didn't pet the camel at the same time. Do they sell these on Amazon? I don't want to pay shipping prices for. Yeah, Amazon. I don't know. I don't know. For real. Are you? Did you look where we can buy these, Nathaniel? No, not yet. I was looking up the macros of a grasshopper. What did you find <laughs> out? Uh, for 100 grams of grasshopper, you can get 20 grams of protein and 6 grams of fat. More protein than fat? Yeah, but 20 grams, I know 70% protein. 3 grams of carbs. Is that a lot? No. I mean, if you consider a chicken, chick, chicken breast... That's 31 grams of protein, 3 grams of fat, and 0 carbs for 100 grams. Hmm. 
I feel like, yeah, Nathaniel, we buy some. We'll bring them in, have them eat some of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, do we like, uh, does anybody else sell locusts? Did you? Hold on. I'm hobbling on the Amazon. Yeah. Okay. You check it out. You go to Amazon. You let me know if I can buy locusts off the Amazon. I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I mean, it's a purchase. I feel like I'm going to run by my wife, but I'd like to buy some locusts and honey off the internet. Yeah, definitely. I feel I, I do at least once. And we grow locusts and honey here locally. Now, this grasshopper revelation has really turned my life around. I can start catching grasshopper. How do you lure them in? What's a good grasshopper trap? You know, let's see here. And then what do I just put them in a cage and they make their own other grasshoppers? Well, yeah, apparently. I thought about it. I thought about trying to uh, uh, raise uh, farm, farm salmon on my, on my place, like digging a pit and having salmon uh, reproduce themselves so yeah. I can eat them. Uh, but I mean, I feel like this locust thing, I want to just get 10 of them. And put them in the basement. I wonder how they kill them. <laughs> I'm gonna have 110 of them like tomorrow. Do you freeze dry them alive and then and then and then send them out? Yeah, I mean we they don't behead them. What out there like? I just see see a guy team. knocking them with a little baby club, click, <laughs> <laughs> taking them out. I don't know. I don't know how else it's done. You can buy on Amazon. This is all I can find for as far as uh, bug based protein. Yeah, uh, pure cricket protein powder. Oh, just a straight up powder. What do they want for that? Uh, one pound is forty bucks. Pretty high. I don't know how I feel about it. Mm. I mean, I can make my own cricket powder. Okay, you ch- check the shipping. I'll, I'll be able to. I'll kick in on the shipping if it's too too dear, just so we can get these in. Okay, that's it. That's all. Hey, hey, what was the name you, of the company? Uh, biblical Bible Biblical Protein. Okay, oh, we're darn. gonna we're gonna pull these in. Hey, you guys remember that? You remember that? Uh, that one social media site that that Christian guy was supposed to trying to get off the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. Hold on, listen. I kept meeting. Uh, I think it's live. Faith meet. Yeah. Oh no, it's not live yet. You can only register for early access. Hmm. Never mind. Okay, I was kind it's of excited. In the same same straits it was last time. Yeah, yeah. It's not progressed. It's supposed to launch uh, this year. We'll see if it comes around. Didn't we decide it was done? Oh yeah. Because no one, no one who's not. Not a Jesus person is going to be on there. You're correct. Yeah, okay. All right, you ready for advice? Oh, yeah. Dear Life from the Path, for more than 20 years, my mother-in-law has shown blatant favoritism toward my husband's younger brother. Mm -hmm. Several people, including her own mother and my father-in-law, have tried to discuss it with her, but she refuses. My husband has accepted that there is nothing he can do to change her behavior. Life from the Path, she recently, on rare occasions, oh, she has recently, on the rare occasions we see her, every once every three to four years, started making snide comments implying she's concerned regardless the, regarding the intellect of our children, one of whom is in an AP program. While my husband accepts her lack of love for him and would never cease contact with her, I find her difficult to be around because she's just plain cruel. I would like to discourage her from visiting us in the future. Am I wrong to feel as I do? No. This is, a, this is a simple problem of boundaries, friend. And I realize that it sounds like it gets messy and hard to deal with, but like, you just need to set up, here's the things I'm going to tolerate, and here's the things I'm not. And it's one of those amazing lists that you don't keep to yourself. Uh, you go ahead and tell your mother-in-law about it and say, look, uh, here's the things that I'm not going to accept. Uh, if you feel like you have to continue to do them, uh, then we're going to have to renegotiate what our relationship is going to look like between you and my children. Uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to see you. We'd love to spend time with you, but uh, these are lines we're not going to accept being crossed. And then when she inevitably crosses them, because uh, she feels like she's not in the wrong, uh, then you uh, stick to your guns and say, well, uh, I said these are the things I'm not going to allow, and then you've done it. And so here's what we're going to do in response. And, like, you, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to bring all your emotional garbage in there. Just, I mean, be honest with yourself. What's the stuff you're going to tolerate and uh, that you could be graceful on? What's the stuff that goes, look, uh, I just don't have to allow this, and so I'm not going to. Yeah. And then, and then move forward. I, I, I agreed. It's awkward. It's real awkward. No one wants to have that conversation with somebody. No one ever has to wants to define their relationship in such stark terms. But um, if you can't continue the rate that you're going, and you have, have searched through your own heart and real and, and and seen where you're maybe causing trouble where you don't need to, um, you write a list down, run it by your husband, and say, "Look, we're we're presenting this as a front uh, to your mama, and here's what we're going to do," and then stick with it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think mm-hmm. like. Uh, you, you, it's okay to tolerate your mom uh, insulting your couch or something. Mm. That's fine, and you're going to learn to deal with that. Your the quirks, quirks of people, you're just going to have to get out, get uh, get on board with, and just realize that's who they are. Uh, however, insulting your children and their intelligence, uh, you know, belittling your wife, 
making snide remarks. Like, I, that's, that's about your relationship. And uh, there isn't any particular reason that you have to, uh, to have to tolerate that. And again, they're setting you up. It's not like there's only two choices here. That your that your mom doesn't get to say anything, or get she she gets to say everything she wants. No one functions under this, right? And so uh, you know, th- there are options where you know what. Even if she thinks it, she doesn't mention it because it's cruel, and there's no reason to do that. And if she cannot withhold or restrain herself in this situation, it's like she just has to say it, uh, then she also just has to stay away. Like that's what she traded out for being able to speak her mind. She gets to speak it somewhere else where no one has to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty straight. It's pretty yeah. straightforward, albeit uh, understandably emotionally probably difficult. But yeah, uh, yeah that's the right tact. Um, the question was, "Am I wrong to feel as I do?" And secular says, "No, by all means, keep your mother-in-law away from the grandchildren because even though she sees them rarely, she'll likely find some way to make them feel quotes less than." If you thought someone was tainting their food, you wouldn't stand by and watch. Well, the same is true if someone is attempting to lower their self-esteem with snide comments. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to play that particular violin too far out. Like, uh, you can't protect your kids from everything. Um, I, I think it's a little bit harder when, uh, they're, they're given more weight due to their family proximity, right? Like Mm -hmm. I could take snide comments off people off the street all day long and go, eh, like, I don't even know you, you know? And, but it's still the same response to your kids. Like it is for you. If they say, Hey, we think the kid's something wrong with that kid. And, uh, the kid takes it in. You say, well, is it true? Is there something wrong with you? No, I think I'm doing all right. Well. I guess we're good then. <laughs> right. Obviously, that's a hurt coming from that side. It ain't coming from you, so we're good to go. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, boy, a lot of family issues. Dear life from the path. My husband and I have been married for 35 years. Five years ago, he lost the ability to perform sexually. Mm. I admit it hasn't been a priority since I've gotten older and have some health issues. We have figured out other ways to enjoy each other. Problem is, he makes ugly comments about our lack of intimacy as if it's my fault he can't do it. The comments are hurtful and cause me not to want to do anything. It seems he can turn any remark I make about something about something into one about sex, and my feelings are often hurt. One minute he's saying how we wouldn't change anything about our life together, and the next he's saying something mean. I'm at a loss about what to do. It's almost like he's two different people. I dread nighttime because that's when it starts. Any ideas? I'll be honest. I really wanted an example. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's not cl- it's not clear to me. It's not clear to me, like, um, oh, no, the refrigerator's broken. Yeah, like our sex life, <laughs> you hag. Like, I'm like what, is he, what is he saying? Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not dealing with this well. Uh, there, there's, there's, there, there is something within a dude um, where, like, uh, he probably is probably, probably just lashing out. Like, he's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He wants to be able to, to, to take part in these activities. He's not capable of doing it. And it's it's it probably feels a little emasculated about it, uh, right? Like you're just used to things working, and so uh, n- that's probably where the where it's coming from. And as opposed to dealing with it reasonably, um, he's just being bitter about it, and then making snide remarks to his wife. Like maybe he can just anger her and makes it feel like in his head that hey, we're not we're not getting together because my wife is irritated with me, not because I'm not capable of doing it. Like who knows? Maybe he's not even thinking about it too much. Yeah, but like I bet it's way uh, 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 the impact of what he's doing. But like I bet this is weighing on him something harsh, and that doesn't justify his behavior. Uh, he shouldn't he shouldn't be treating you this way anyway. But um, he's probably taking it he's probably taking it heavy and doesn't know how to to say that or is embarrassed to speak about it. That'd at least be some context to why he's behaving that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think you can probably figure how he got there. The thing is, is like it goes back to the short memory thing, right? Like after a while, you forget. Whatever that you like, the initial problem was yours, and and we're not even saying it's a problem that like people should be mad at or upset about. Like I, it just happens, you know. And so like, um, but realize that you did bring the the change in here, and so um, to turn it around and make it seem as if it was her fault, um, yeah, you're he's dealing with this very very poorly. I guess what I, I think what we're trying to say is is like it's understandable the man is embarrassed or frustrated or uh, whatever. And instead of dealing it within a healthy way or having reasonable conversations about it or even saying, hey, you want to try this again maybe? Or, you know, and, and in fear of failing it again and, and, and being even more embarrassed, but like um, your current tact of like lashing out at your wife, like that's not going to work, obviously. You know, it's so like you just, he's real childish about it. And if he's an overall, um, everything a- apart from that 
is he seems pretty reasonable. I think you can probably tell how big of an embarrassment or frustration it is for him that he's acting so out of character. Um, it doesn't excuse the way that he's acting, but I mean, it does help in the way that you're framing the way you're thinking about him. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like, you know, nobody's sex life has ever been improved by being a jerk. So, you'd knock that Very off. few, at least. <laughs> Very few, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, it's like, hop on some vitamins. Do something, man. Don't just be a whiner. Yeah, I mean, it's got, it's just, uh, I mean, totally. That, that's right. That's right. It's, it's, I, I bet it's just difficult. I'm sure he's, you know, he's probably tried uh, things. And she's probably tried things to get him uh, jazzed up about it, and it's not worked. Like it's, it starts to become. I think it's one of the, it's a type of thing where it it builds upon itself and just becomes difficult to overcome. Not I, this is a bad comparison. Not like an addiction, but like kind of like an addiction. Like if you start failing at something, um, it feels harder and harder to surmount the more times it fails. And even though this is a physical thing, and he may or may not be contributing to it, like. It's a harder and harder thing to, to start to deal with. And frankly, it starts to put in, if you're a dude, uh, you know, you start, you're realizing you're getting old. And stuff is not doing the stuff that you would expect it to do. And then you start contemplating your morality and your penis ain't working. And like, it's just a, he could be in a rough run. Yeah. I, the thing is, is like how long, it, really, he needs a group of friends to beat him up a little bit here. You know, be like, <laughs> look, take a, a, just, just take a look at your life and be like, look, if you're still complaining about this and you're not exercising at all, I don't want to hear your complaints. Right. If you're still complaining about this and you're not trying to eat any differently, even though you're pounding down things that are known causes of, of, of problems like this and you're still smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, I don't want to hear about it, man. Like, like if it's important enough for you to start lashing out at your wife, it's important enough for you to say, I'm going to try everything that I can think of and everything that I can read about. I'm going to do a little research, and I'm going to go, look, I'm going to give this a solid three months of honest exercise, honest good diet, honest of, of getting my overall health and my mental health where it needs to be and having some honest conversations with my wife and failing all that. Then at least you went through a process of, 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 watch, of grieving for it and going, you know what, this is not going to come out. Talk to a doctor. Talk to some professionals. You know, talk to some friends of yours that are around your same age that have probably, I know it's all embarrassing, but like at the end of the day, are you willing to, are you willing to suffer embarrassment to get what you actually want, which is either your penis working or your relationship with your wife? This is not being the centerpiece for you running your mouth. Either one, uh, you need, it, it needs to come to some fruition and you, he needs to put up his own, his own effort into it. Yeah. Parlay is effort. Parlay. I was going to say parlay, and I talked myself out. It's like, go to a doctor. I've heard that, uh, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard, and it makes sense, at least in my brain, that uh, you know ED and stuff like that is uh, like the canary in the coal mine for much serious uh, like blood blood clotting type issues. Oh, yeah. For like heart attacks check, yeah. and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Come on, uh, yeah. brother. Yeah, go in for a check and, and let's and improve your health and like honestly work on it. And and if you need that to be your motivator, maybe this is saying that over the last twenty five years you've been ignoring your health, then this is the thing that, that you know gets your attention and goes, Oh, I gotta do something different. Yeah. Then do it. Do something different. Well it sounds like the the frustration shows that they're not communicating about it. You mentioned conversation and that yeah. kind of stuck out to me. That that that's they really need to have a conversation and and she needs I mean, she can she can start it and just say, Man, you're just not like why are you doing this? You know, right. like, are you like, are you, yeah, are you embarrassed? Are you like, what's going on in your head? And and uh, start that because she can't help if I mean she's just being blindsided. She's just talking about the refrigerator, you know, and and uh, he's coming alive with some snide comment, and it's like, well, that's not fair to her. Uh, so yeah, they really need to have the conversation and 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 talk it out and and see what their next steps are. But th- there are steps, so just. Yeah, yeah, and stuff that you haven't had to talk about in the first 30 years of your marriage, you know, yeah, like yeah. everything just kind of did what it was supposed to, and now it's not, you know, and so like, uh, and and like, it is, it's going to produce a lot more conversations than especially the dude is, is comfortable in having, but like, how is she supposed to know where you're at for that day? But like, you should be comfortable talking about that with your wife, right? 35 years or however many, you know, it was. I mean, if you haven't talked, you can't talk about that, I mean... Yeah, right. Uh, you got that's pro- other the problems. person. That's the person we get to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the only with. person you get to really talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Uh, the question was: Any ideas? Um, Secular says your husband may be embarrassed, angry, and frustrated that he can no longer perform, and he's projecting all of that onto you. 
He could also be starting to, quotes, lose it. I assume you have expressed to him how hurtful his remarks are. Now it's time to discuss this with your family physician who knows your husband better than I do. Okay, that's helpful. I guess. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, let's do one more. Uh, dear life from the path. Under what circumstances is it socially acceptable to read a stranger's tattoo? I often admire the beautiful artwork, and at one and one can appreciate that with a quick glance. But nowadays, I often encounter people tattooed with a phrase or quote or even a whole paragraph on their body. Is it rude to stop, stare, and read the tattoo? Should I first ask permission? I mean, you could say, "Hey, nice tat," and see where it goes from there. Yeah, that's true. You could just ask. Yeah. Although you wouldn't do it like. Uh, uh, if you, any other writing, like if you have something's got somebody has something on your shirt or like you got something on your hat, it seems pretty normal to like walk up and look at it. Yeah. But like, are you leering? Like, how difficult is this tattoo to read? I mean, I suppose if it's a paragraph or something. How many paragraphs is it? Like, yeah. I mean, there's there's really socially acceptable ways to do this. Like, like, like you say, hey man, that's a cool tattoo. You mind if I if I read it real quick? What's it say? What does it say? And maybe they'll just tell you, tell right? you. Hopefully they got it memorized. <laughs> yeah. Or they really needed it memorized and they just decided to write it on themselves. Oh, so man, it'd be real bad. Do not bad. resuscitate. Actually, that would be, it'd be super awkward if they didn't just tell me. And then it was like a paragraph long. And so then they got to stand there while I read it. And then <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and then you see, huh? Could you, like you laugh a little, little in bit? paragraph two? And <laughs> yeah. Waiting for your reaction, which is underwhelming. You're like, oh. Oh, that's what you decided, I guess. So you wrote that poem? <laughs> Yeah, uh, just ask. I think that's probably the... Or it's written really difficult to read, and then you're standing there squinting at it. People like do like to go with now. overly fancy letters when yeah. they tattoo. Yeah. Or if it's written like the metal album covers, where it's it's all blended together into one mash of uh, squiggles. Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. Uh, that's like uh, if a, 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 a feminine person, a woman, has a shirt on with something on the chest, they want you to read it, but it's like... I don't really feel comfortable looking down there and staring. Right. When you don't know if I'm staring past the words or reading that nice paragraph you have. Uh, so you just kind of, you know, ignore it. But that's not what the question is. But it's just like, it's at our awkward moments. You're like, uh, yeah, I want to say I noticed your shirt, but I don't think I should. I mean, it is true that every curiosity you have does not have to be satisfied. Maybe you just <laughs> right? don't get to know. You know, like, lift up your shirt, I want to read the rest. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure tattoos are, a, are a, a subject that could bear out a lot of conversation, but, like, I put that tattoo on there for me, right? So, like, I don't want you reading up my sleeve or whatever, you know? Like, you're just going to have to be content with the mystery on what's happening. Secular uh, says, when in doubt, always ask permission before ogling. If you don't, your admiration could be misconstrued, which could get you in trouble, depending upon where the tattoo is located. We got to do one more. Yeah, I mean, did you, did you said tattoos are for you? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah, do you really? I mean, I think most people I know that got tattoos is for them. Then put it on your butt cheek. Well, I can't read it back there. Yeah, but you—I mean—you put it on your arm and you wear it like a sleeveless shirt. It's for everybody. No, I put it on my arm, wear a sleeveless shirt, so I can see it. Yeah, I, it's for everybody though. You That's going like out. saying I make a sandwich, put it on the counter. Now it's everybody's sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I feel like I, it doesn't. It feel like it's inviting attention. Yeah. I mean, so is a good hairstyle or white teeth or bad say, teeth and a terrible and hairstyle. Takes, Either one invites attention. And somebody walks by and they see your hair and you say. Look away. It's not your business. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> no, That's I'm just saying the original intent Don't was, not to, in. was not to garner attention. Well, I know, but no one, like... <laughs> No. As soon as you leave the house, I feel like you're subjecting yourself to people wanting to take a look. I mean, that's true with everything, not just tattoos. That's a realistic, realistic hairstyle. Like, you people who, like, do their hair pretty funky, you think that's for them, too? Yeah. Hmm. You think it's all a cry for attention? Yeah. You think every person that has a tattoo is a cry for attention? No. No, but, like, I think you have to recognize that, like, or something. if you put it on display, I feel like you're, it's like you've made yourself a walking zoo. People are going to see it and go, boy, that's curious. I'm going to take a look and have questions. <laughs> I'm saying that the reaction that people want to see it, being upset about it is dumb, but your your initial driving factor was not necessarily, hey, look at me, I got a tattoo. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's pre- I mean, tattoos are pretty common. It's not like you're the only guy out there with a tattoo. Yeah. I think most people want someone to bring it up. Hey, tell me about your tattoo. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you they asked me about that. put a lot of money that. Yeah. True. Holy cow. Okay, we got to read this one, though, because okay. it seems like drama, and I want to know. I'm ready. Dear Life from the Path, it's windy. A few months ago, I offered to help a longtime friend with some landscaping. The area to be landscaped is tiny. I was concerned a professional landscaper would overcharge her. She contacted a landscaper anyway, not to hire him, but to pick his brain. Okay. When he arrived, it was obvious he didn't want the job, and she didn't offer it to him. She took me up on my offer. She then procrastinated for a couple months, during which time I got busy with other stuff. But I carved out time for her, and we sat down to look at her project. She confessed she had no experience with landscaping and plant selection, and she needed my help with that, too. After she poo-pooed the most viable suggestions I offered, we proceeded to look at the plants. Lots of plants. None of which she liked. After a few frustrating hours, she mentioned she'd just plant what she had originally thought about planting. I told her if she did that, she did not need my help. She told me I needed more patience. And, I <laughs> and had she known I wouldn't help her, she would have hired the landscaper after all. It wasn't true. She had never any intentions of hiring him. I told her she needed to be more decisive. And even though she had told me she needed my experience, she wasn't accepting of it. Oh, boy. She also couldn't see that she had wasted hours of my time. We've barely spoken since. <laughs> so am I on the wrong here? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic. I'm the professional here. You're going to listen to me. And they go, I don't really want that. And you're like, fine. You don't want a professional's help? Then you're on your own. How could you waste all my time? Wait, you think the, the lady who offered to help is actually a legitimate landscape professional? No. Oh. But well, well-versed, well we'll put it. Yeah. Yeah, not just a, a plant novice. Hmm. So, so I try, of course, I, mean, I suppose I could come up with a relative example to myself, but like someone says, hey, I need your help uh, picking out light fixtures or whatever. And I'm like, well, here's what you're going for. Here's the coverage you want. Here's what I would do. And they go, no, we're going to go for these pendant lights that only cover like two foot. Of, I'm like, you're not going to be able to see anything in this room if you do that. Yeah, your ideas are dumb. Like, we looked at lights for six hours, and you picked pendant lights anyway against my advice. Yeah. And so, like, the better part of me goes, well, it's your house. I mean, you want pendants in there? Put pendants in there. Sounds good. I don't know that I'd be mad about the time wasted. We had a, a conversation with a friend for five, six hours, if, just because they didn't agree with me. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, what, wait, what was the final question then? Uh, am I wrong in this thing? Yeah. I mean, you handled it poorly, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, your your friend sounds like a weasel too. I mean, it's like some some couples can't do remodeling together. Maybe some friends just can't do landscaping together. Yeah, They're just do something different. I mean, how tiny are we talking? Friends, like a one hosta would have covered it. I mean, we put a lot of effort into this. I don't know Frank how your Charlie? first choice is in a hosta. I mean, those things are fantastic. Just put them in and then see, you know, give it a year. Always yeah. start with a hosta and then wait a year. Yeah. See what happens. They grow back all the time. They spread out to cover more ground. And you better, you don't have to pay no attention. It's to like them. a yard toupee yeah. is what it is. Ooh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. A hosta is a, is a yard toupee. Then people drive by your house and go, look at that guy. He just wants attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he put three pieces out there just to draw attention to himself. <laughs> look at my hostas. Talk to me. I'm special. I mean, that's what they call it. They call it the curb appeal. You're trying to get a little little snaz out on your on your uh, or on your place. I just like hostas. I got a yard tattoo, and you drive by going, boo, look, look at that guy with no self-esteem want me to talk about the hostess. Or he might just like hostess. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> I seem like the former. <laughs> okay, Singular says, uh, no, you are not in the wrong. No good deed goes unpunished. Consider yourself lucky that you have barely spoken since. Wow. <laughs> and do not, then do not broach the subject again unless you want to experience more frustration. Wow, somebody took their ball and went home. <laughs> wow. Gosh, like, so wait, what would you have, what's the recommendation? After she says, you spend a lot of time hanging out with her, and she says, nah, I think I'm just going to go with I, with what I wanted at the start. You just go, sounds good, it's your place. Yeah. You need help, you need help installing it? You need help digging the holes or whatever? But, but what if they, what if she says, but let's, let's maybe try again next week and we'll look at some more stuff. Like, there's a point where you go, hey, you know, I'm not sure you need me here for this. You know, these are kind of, since it's really just up to you, let me make sure you know where to look and all the different options that are out there. I'll use my knowledge and wits to make sure you have that at your disposal. But why don't you take a look and then get back to me and uh, let me know what you want to do. I suppose the crappy, well, the, the attitude that they took, that's, I suppose, the problem. They said, hey, if you're not going to help me at all, I should have just hired that landscaper. After they had taken the time to, like, speak for four hours on the subject. Yeah. 
And I'm like, you've been no helping me at all. So, like, they're mad because they're they underappreciated. Just, yeah, correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I've had that totally happen before. It's like you go do, you know, some work for somebody and, like, they just, uh, they didn't appreciate it. You thought you were doing a good thing and it turned out to be nothing but a hassle. And you're like, oh, I just won't do that again. You know, I, you know, I let it go. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Hey, you've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging on with us uh, on this uh, balmy Monday evening. We really do appreciate it. Go ahead and hit up that Live from the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Call or text. And maybe you've got uh, some personal situation of which you say, man, them boys just give out whiz-bang advice. And you'd be wrong about that. And you really should find other people to take counsel from. But in a pinch, in a pinch and a pickle, uh, we'll be here to help you. So give us a call or a text on that uh, Live from Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Also, if you've not given a rating to the show, we would appreciate it. Uh, just because it, it reminds us that you're out there. You are the we are you are R E T. Uh, so we need you to phone home on this thing. Click the number. So I just came up with it. Just it's, I'm rolling with it. Don't make yeah. the faces in it. I just think you wanted attention. That's why. I, yeah. That's why I don't put a. That's why I don't put a camera on Nathaniel. He gives all the stuff away. So anyway, go ahead and rate the rate the podcast. Give it a one or a five. I don't care. Or, or somewhere in between. Whatever uh, floats your boat. And uh, if you if you want to type the things up and say lovely kind things. Because we actually will read them. It's not like that work survey where you just get rolled up into the ether. We, uh, we'll take a to read of that, and we'll have delight in it. And so, anyway, we appreciate that. We do intend to see you next week. So in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.